0: Welcome to the DataJump podcast. Uh, We're still in quarantining. So as we've noted before, we're canceling our annual event, but we received some great uh, proposals. And one of them was from the Penn Medicine Center for Digital Health. Um, So joining us today are Lawrence Southwick and Sharath Guntuku, uh, who work on collecting social data to monitor uh, different aspects of um, health. And one of those things that they've quickly spun up is a uh, Twitter COVID-19 dashboard, looking at how people are uh, lo- feeling and tweeting about, um, about the pandemic. And uh, so let's
1: dive in. How are you doing, Lauren and uh, Sharap?
2: Great. Thanks so much for having us.
1: Great, this is fantastic. It, you know, it's um so telling how quickly this came about, um, what you've done in the past and is, is amazing and it's stuff that we wanna get to at some point in the future. Um, but I'd love to know a little bit about the background. Lauren, can you dive a little bit about how this project came up, how it got to, done so quickly, and uh, who the collaborators were, even a little bit of background about who you are?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Penn Medicine Center for Digital Health, we sit within the Center for Healthcare Innovation where we explore non-traditional data, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, Yelp, Google searches, TikTok, you name it, all these different digital data sources for health insights. And so we are a multidisciplinary team. We consist of computer scientists, physicians, designers, public health and social work researchers, and uh, together as a team, we transform data into actual insights for um, the development of health, um, health interventions, improving and enhancing patient and provider communications and engagement, as well as improving care delivery and patient outcomes. So early um, on in the pandemic, we knew that we wanted um, and we were poised to capture how folks are responding to social distancing, shelter and shelter in place orders all through social media. And so similar to the uh, John Hopkins uh, COVID-19 map, which has received um, a lot of press and amazing insights, we too wanted to create a tool that provides um, real-time uh, updates that could, be per- that could be used for patients, providers, health system, as well as policymakers. And so Sharath um, worked with our amazing collaborators, uh, doctors Lyle Unger and Garrick Sherman from the World Well-Being Pro- Project, which is um, a center within the healthcare, uh, within University of Pennsylvania's social positivity, social psychology center, and a collaboration with Stony Brook. And so similar to CDH, um, the World Well-Being Project is exploring how we can better understand health and well-being all from social media language. Um, mm-hmm. And as as you know, cons- uh, computer scientists work insanely quickly, and so Sharath and Garrick were able to brainstorm and create an outline for the map within a few days.
1: Wow, so from beginning to end, it was just a couple days of concept to actual execution?
2: Yeah, it was a amazing. Qu- a quick turnaround, uh-huh. and sh- Sharath can speak to <laughs> how fast it was and yeah, the amount of iterations we've done within probably 72 hours.
1: And this went into the Philadelphia Inquirer. There's a big article that came out in it last week. Um, uh, Has it been picked up? What's been the reaction so far?
2: Yeah, um, we've definitely received some uh, great press from the Philadelphia Inquirer and internally at Penn Medicine. Um, We've had a lot of collaborators reach out to us saying how great the tool is and we've um, continually collecting uh, feedback and just reiterating. Um, Interestingly enough, we received an email from a middle school computer science teacher who said his students love the the map and they want to create something themselves for their uh, for their class.
0: So that's super cool that um, middle schoolers are are looking at the dashboard. i um, I have two kids and uh, it is we've, I've definitely found myself looking at more and more of this kind of stuff with them. Um, but that's really neat that uh, a teacher's kind of bringing it in um, and talking about it. Um, so Sharath, I want to dive into. Uh, into the into what you did a little bit so uh, one how was it managing the never-ending uh, Twitter uh, fire hose of
3: data so this was actually a very uh, interesting project that um, we worked on considering both the timeliness and also the time scale of, uh, with which the uh, everything sort of unfolded uh, and uh, I think the the basic uh, concern or basic challenge was around handling the kind of uh, data volume that we were looking at. So um, we are simultaneously running two different analyses to populate the dashboard. Uh, One is to infer mental health of different communities across the US. And the second is um, to get COVID related symptoms and potentially engagement around COVID on Twitter. So we are using two different data sets for this. One is the random one person that twitter gives uh, this is not just covid related tweets these are uh, basically any tweet that comes through the twitter firehose uh, around 1% of that and um, the second uh, dataset that we were working on was uh, the streaming data using a keyword search. So we identified 20 or 30 COVID related terms and we wanted to see how people are talking about COVID specifically. So uh, both together, we were getting around 10 million, 10 million tweets a day. And um, uh, we are sort of uh, pulling all this and we have a Hadoop cluster uh, housed in the World Wellbeing Project where all the processing is taking place. And uh, now we sort of extract uh, a whole bunch of language features on a daily basis um, on, the de- on the previous day's data and then we use that as input for different lexica to sort of predict stress, anxiety, loneliness, and sentiment.
0: Very cool. So how did you um, choose? I think you said that you're looking at 30 keywords around COVID-19. How did you choose those? Are they changing as, uh, as the pandemic progresses? Um, if you could talk a little bit about about that.
3: Yes. So they are uh, rapidly evolving. We initially started with the most trending hashtags around COVID um, in March um, and the late late February. And uh, as different uh, um, um, interventions started uh, to come in place, like stay at home and things like that, the way people are talking about COVID has also changed drastically. So we are uh, sort of keeping track of how uh, it's no longer about COVID. It's about life in the COVID era. So we are sort of uh, trying to uh, keep track of those hashtags. We are updating them as we go along.
0: Yeah, so if we could talk a little bit about that. So I imagine there's kind of, two things going on when people are using these hashtags, there's kind of uh, people talking about the actual medical information uh, or sharing articles about the pandemic. And, but then also like, yeah, like the stay stay at home or um, home together or all these different tags. How are you, are you differentiating those? Are you just using tags to differentiate the tweets or are you doing any other kind of natural language processing to differentiate the two different types of
3: tweets that are coming out? So that's a great question. So uh, as of now, we are not really differentiating these tweets. Uh, for any sort of um, for tracking language around COVID, we are pulling all these tweets into one a bunch. Um, but then, as you said, uh, there's an increasing, uh, increasingly uh, varying number of people using these hashtags to sort of uh, talk about health information versus uh, just using these hashtags to, you know, increase reach. And we're also finding that in other platforms uh, like TikTok, where uh, Lauren is leading a work around identifying uh, uh, what's the user's perception on TikTok. And we see a lot of people actually using COVID hashtags without posting about COVID at all. So we are uh, in the process of uh, developing a simple classifier to just uh, classify tweets into COVID or not, based on uh, the language they use, not necessarily the hashtags that they contain.
0: So the other thing I want to ask about is I'm looking at uh, the dashboard and the common topics are really interesting. Um, and, one, you know, you have you have here healthcare, panic buying, uh, politics, uh, economic concerns. Um, how are you uh, are again, are you just using keywords to identify, to differentiate these things?
3: Um, how are you how are you doing that um, that aspect of it? Ah, So the topics are actually built in an unsupervised manner. So uh, we collect all the COVID tweets, uh, all the tweets with any of the COVID uh, hashtags or keywords. And we also have a control set of tweets that do not have any COVID mentions from um, last year, this this month. And we sort of run um, a machine learning algorithm to see, uh, to try and differentiate what are COVID related, uh, what is COVID related language. And of those words and phrases, we try and uh, identify groups Again, all in an unsupervised manner, so the machine is doing it. We use an algorithm called latent directed allocation, uh, LDA, and that gives us a set of uh, 100 topics, which are uh, a group of co-occurring words, which, are, which sort of come together in, uh, uh, in a somewhat semantically meaningful manner, and we are just uh, showing those um, in the topics panel there. And we identified a few to be directly related to, say, healthcare or panic buying, and we are sort of tracking those trends across time.
0: Very cool. So let me uh, let me ask you about the trends. So, looking at the different, either the the um, sentiment or looking at the the topics, you kind of really see some wild trends going on. Are you are you guys doing anything to like compare those to, say? Um, You know, different trends that are happening with what's being reported with COVID number, the number of uh, cases confirmed or or anything else. Like, how do you make how are you making sense of some of these kind of wild swings? For instance, I'm looking at the economic concerns and know over the last maybe like a week, you just there's a real spike um, Mm -hmm. in in the number of tweets. So so what are you doing? Are you are you doing anything? Are you planning to do anything to make sense of some of these trends that you're seeing?
3: Yeah, so actually we have uh, a few different projects around uh, this uh, where where we're working with psychologists and people in um, economics to to sort of uh, make sense of what's really happening. Um, One obvious thing is that uh, some of these trends are actually um, following uh, some of the other things that you see in the stock market or in terms of unemployment and so on. And there is also interesting regional variation with uh, how many cases there are in different states so, for example, the a lot of cases are actually talking about testing, diagnostics, and vaccine and things like that. Wherever there are not there are not a lot of cases. There, uh, there, there's some conversation around. Oh, maybe this is like the flu, um, um, and it looks like they're still catching up. And um, that was actually super prevalent in the early COVID days of um, say early March or um, you know late March, um, and that. Considering the nature of the platform itself, uh, Twitter, which is highly colloquial, um, the fluctuations in sentiment are usually expected. However, um, in the past two or three months, we're seeing changes that are three or four standard deviations away from normal. And in those cases, we, we would definitely want to look more closely at the specific regions and see why certain um, you know, uh, measures like anxiety or stress are peaking. Um, it, we don't really know if it's due to a protest that's happening, if it's due to an overloaded health system, or if it's indicative of you know, how people are actually adjusting to working from home and uh, not being able to go out to work at all in several cases. So that's something we are looking at increasingly uh, in collaboration with other psychologists.
1: um, SHARATH, real quick, uh, what I find fascinating um, amongst a lot, there's a ton in here, um, the geographic, how are you pulling or or understanding the geographies from each state? uh, For those who don't have it up, um, top Twitter topics by each state can be really, really telling and important for um, a lot of different groups. Can you go into a little bit about that?
3: So uh, each tweet, um, not every tweet, but around 10% of the tweets uh, come with a geotag. Um, we are either looking at the tweet location or the location of the user who is tweeting the tweet. Uh, and then we are sort of uh, getting an approximate county location uh, based on the um, geotag information. And we are sort of grouping all the tweets in one county. And then we are aggregating different counties in a, into one state. So we are looking at um, the different topic distributions in different counties and aggregating them to states and then looking at the top um, top Z-scored uh, topics in each state, if that makes sense.
1: Interesting, yeah, fascinating. Uh, I, w- I would be curious at, at some point too, um, and I've heard this talked about in different places the um, the use of Twitter versus another social medium um, comparisons to, to those. And I know this is focused strictly on Twitter. I always wonder uh, what TikTok might show us at some point. So that might be something interesting to see.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we've um, done a preliminary analysis of how people are turning to TikTok to kind of reflect and connect during um, COVID-19. And so I would just from the nature of the platform, it's a micro video streaming sharing platform. So it's you have you have a video, you have uh, a comment, you can add text to the screen, and you have just so many more variables to make a more complex kind of um, graphic or video you want to send to others. And so, just from our analysis, it's been really fascinating in that we captured videos from um, early February, and then the and folks were making fun of the name Corona it's like beer like this is such a hype and then in March it's like oh my goodness I can't find food I'm stressed I'm so bored so it really it's so fascinating to see how just the rhetoric changes within yeah a short time span. Wow
1: so Lauren um, uh, you you both have amazing jobs. It <laughs> sounds like it's, a, it's fascinating to be able to dive into this and, and really see what's being said. Um, how, did you, how do you expect people will use this or in, in your thoughts, like what would be the application of it? And then wh- where do you think you want to take it from here? Is it something to continue on or is it um, this was just a one and done type thing?
2: Yeah. So um, this tool was really made for folks to use. We want um, patients, providers, healthcare systems, to use this tool to kind of get a pulse check of what's going on in their state, in their county, and how that can better inform interventions, communication campaigns, um, care. And so I think this is really just the beginning. Um, we've created previous like dashboards and maps, but um, having a real-time update is just so, so needed and necessary in these times. And so I think, yeah, we're just gonna continue to build and layer on more nuances to this tool.
1: Great. And then um, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, so the, the key uh, piece here is um, how we're able to monitor in real time the dialogue around uh, COVID. And uh, you, there there's great research out there where people are trying to administer surveys and ask people to sort of report out how they're feeling. But with uh, social media platforms, you're sort of getting it Naturally, as people are talking about it, as people are posting about it. So uh, that's one of the um, impressive parts of using.
1: Fantastic. It, I've always heard of Twitter data being used as the world's greatest um, place just to listen to what the pulse of the world is in any particular area. And then in the future, like Lauren, where, what other projects are you working on? Um, and and are, are you also focused strictly on social data or... Um,
2: Yeah. So as Sharath mentioned, we're doing a exploratory analysis on TikTok. So since this is a merging platform, um, we really want to better understand how users are posting on it and what we can learn about health and health um, values from it. And so in addition to doing um, this TikTok um, review, we're also building... um, additional COVID initiatives for the health system. So one of um, our projects is building a health and wellness text line for um, newly discharged ED patients. And so um, we in, enroll patients to um, see if they want a weekly check-in and um, reliable up-to-date information each week. And so this project really speaks to the social isolation that's occurring right now that folks might Living alone, they don't have as many resources or connections. And so, just having another line of communication could really combat some feelings of anxiety, loneliness, or other um, uh, negative health outcomes. And so, that's one of our projects. And another one um, that we're just ramping up is um, trying to do a digital phenotype of individuals who test positive for COVID 19. And so, with this, we're trying to build out. Um, a better model of how uh, social media changes um, throughout one's um, diagnosis and um, recovery.
0: That's fascinating. Would that be just asking people to kind of sign up who we who have uh, tested positive?
2: Exactly, yeah. So um, the Center for Digital Health, we have this amazing uh, infrastructure where uh, individuals can donate their Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Google search data pretty um easily through our platform. And so, yeah, we're just starting that. So there's more more to come on that.
0: That is that is super interesting. I wanna ask one more question about kind of uh, social networks. So all this data is social data. It comes from um, social network platforms. So have you looked at how individuals who are tweeting, like what networks they belong to and how maybe some of these trends uh, differ across those different networks? You know, for instance, um, some of the economic concerns or political tweets, maybe those are connected more toward particular um, uh, networks who are networks of people who are focused on those things on Twitter. Um, have you done that kind of work, Sharath, or um, or is that kind yeah. of maybe further down the road?
3: That's actually a very good question. So we we've, we've just started looking at um, the hashtag #GetUsPPE last week. Uh, In another collaboration with uh, Doctors Megan Renee and uh, uh, Dr. Renat Bedes at uh, University of Pennsylvania and Brown, and um, so this hashtag sort of uh, started trending in the third week of March, Um, and a lot of it it sort of turned into a physician-led movement on social media, and uh, we see uh, sort of similar um, networks emerging. But at this point, we are really focusing on this particular physician-led movement. But yeah, that's actually a very good point. And I think there's a lot of uh, potential to sort of see how different uh, demographics are talking about uh, their concerns.
1: Great. Well, th- this has been a fantastic uh, discussion. It's one I've been wanting to hear a lot about for quite a long time. Um, not before I knew that, but just to see what people in the Philadelphia area, how they're using uh, social data, because I think it's such a rich source that could teach us so much over the over the future. Um, we are, we are th- very thankful for you coming on and telling this, and we're looking forward to having you on um in the future to talk about some of these other projects um, and, and some of the great things you're doing here um on the health side of things. Great. Awesome. Well thank, thank you, you again.
3: Thank you. Thank you for Thanks so much.
1: That. All right.